can, you can record it. Just don't publish it, please. Do not. <laughs> just keep it for your records. I'm serious. It's, it's good to hear. It's a fucking good story. Trust me. Trevor throws the helmet off and they drift out to center ice. Here we go. Trevor Sen. Ken Chasker winding up. Here's Chasker with a right. Sen with a right. Chasker with a right. And a right. And a right. And a right. Chasker's going to town. Sen with a right. They're connecting like crazy. Chasker with another right. The jersey starts to come off. Sen with a left. Chasker with a right. And another right. He holds on to the back of Penn. Gets up with another right. This is a brawl. Chasker with a right. Chasker with a right. Sen with a left. Sen with a left. Chasker's got his jersey off. Two, three, four. Ladies and gentlemen, that is an intro. It is interview time. Are you on, Pep? Am I on? There you go. There you go. You're on. So, for those who don't know, long line of playing history. Started with the Thunder Bay Thundercats back in 97, 98. Nola Fogelin, my friend Nola from Thunder Bay, will appreciate that. Also a hockey player. Continue. All right. Well, let's see how many people Pep knows. We got the Birmingham Bulls, the Toledo Storm, the Providence Bruins of the AHL, then back with the ECHL Toledo Storm and the Augusta Lynx, the Wheeling Nailers. That's a pretty good name, actually. You got four, four goals that year. St. Hyacinth Cousins, or I guess it would be Cousin. The Augusta Lynx again. Long Beach Ice Dogs. That's a good place to play. St. Hyacinth Cousin. The Verdon Dragons. And the Dundas Real McCoys. Joining us today is none other than legendary hockey tough guy, Kenneth Tasker. Thank you very much. I'm very humbled at that uh, <laughs> intro one. <laughs> <laughs> the most prolific fighter that I've ever met. But also the biggest gentleman off the ice oh, as well, as you can tell by the way he just responded. Yeah, he's a gentleman. Well, thank you very much. I honestly might put that on a loop in my house and play that every morning when I wake up, like <laughs> just to get my kids up. <laughs> the gentleman. Is that or the, 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 the opening soundtrack? Oh, the fights, yeah. Task on the left! Task on the left! Okay, I'm up, Dad. I'm, I'm up, up, I'm up, up, I'm up, up, I'm up. I'll go I'm to up. school, fine. Yeah. Because I, I love that description, but uh, I had a, an interesting conversation with my boss last year who was like a, a deputy minister, right? He has 9,000 employees. And uh, we're riding one day, and I, I hear him catching hell from like his wife, then his kids. <laughs> and I'm like... You know what? I know exactly how you feel. I used to be a, somewhat of a small celebrity when I'd go off to these towns, and then I'd come home to my family, and before I could answer, he's like, and then they don't give a shit. I'm like, yes, yes, I know you're paying. So that's where I'm at in my life. I walk home, and I just take shit from the kids, my wife, and my dogs. But, but no, no, they're, they're great. Now, <laughs> you've... Um, you've um, that's a long. That's a long career. You know. That's a, that's you span a, a decade, over a decade. Um, how was how was life for you right at right after hockey? Like the year after, two years after. Did you transition to work to the work life immediately? Did you? Was there a year or two where you're like, what what do I do with myself now? Yeah. No, I don't want to be buzzkill, but and I know your personal story. You've touched on like uh, you know uh, mental illness, mental health. Yes. And, uh, honestly. 
it was a very dark period, uh, and you know, I was hoping to talk touch on this. So I was walking right. you right in there. I'm yeah, sorry, I was but say, I, I think oh, you want to touch on it 45 minutes into yeah, it. That's what he's kind of hoping right, to work just, his way into it. Sorry, pal. Uh, no, no, no. Honestly, it's uh, but post career. I mean, from the time I was a kid, and uh, like I knew you guys in high school, right? And uh, I just knew I wanted to be a hockey player, and that's all I wanted to do. There was no plan B. I thought I'd go straight to the NHL, and I just put all my eggs in one basket. Um, I, I wouldn't change that. I, I might change the fact like I would have stayed in the university a little longer. But given that, I thought that there'd be more of a network through hockey in the fact that somebody kind of like grease the wheels and, and give me a job knowing that I had a hard work, work ethic, that I was you know, a fairly upstanding person, you know. Uh, but there was nothing. It was like a huge void, and I, a lot of guys are not prepared for that. Um, for me personally, I went through a really dark period uh, when I knew that my career was over, when I knew that uh, the NHL dream was over, and I said, uh, you know, I went through a bad breakup. I was dating a girl in Boise, Idaho. She stole my dog. Oh, I mean, I could write a country song about this, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, I got through it, but... Uh, by the grace of God and I have a wonderful family support uh, my mom is fantastic my sisters are fantastic uh, they recognized that I was not well and they honestly to God I was sitting in the car and I just told my mom like I'm having these thoughts it's not natural I like I had never thought like that before and then uh, she's like please do me a favor and just check yourself in the hospital I've, I've never really talked to many people about that, but it, I swear to God it helped. I've talked to some other players where I've seen different Facebooks uh, posts where I could tell they were in a dark place, and I, I, I speak to that truth kind of thing. You know, I'd say, you know, it is, it's dark, and you think that there's no escape from that, but there is, and especially for uh, anybody going through a transition, you know, any, anybody that goes, you know, go through different career changes, mm-hmm. goes through divorces, things like that. Um, when you're in it, you think you can't get out, but uh, it's important just to hold on to the important things and know that uh, one of the best advice I ever got was uh, from a guy that was in the U.S. Army. Uh, he said, this too shall pass. And I, I, I had my family be there as a sport, and then uh, for myself, I just held on to that. And eventually, you know, it's, it's almost like... Uh, like a river that's frozen uh eventually it breaks up and things start flowing again and that's uh honestly that's and then you know back to my sort of go back to my hockey career uh i always thought you know the harder you work the luckier you get and uh that's what happened i ended up working sort of two jobs uh i was like i was working at costco and i was bartending and i was doing things that i did not like it didn't you know it's not where i wanted to be in life and uh, I was asking for help. I went to friends uh, that had uh, companies and things like that, and they said no. And I was like, I was crushed. I was like, I thought this is bullshit. You know, I've given everything to hockey, and it was like a bad breakup. You know, um, but everything fell into place. I work for the government now. I'm, a, you know, civil servant. I uh, work with fantastic people every day, uh, and uh, I'm able to provide for my family. And uh, you know, it wasn't that case when I first left the game. Uh, but you just eventually keep working and, and use the same things that made you successful in hockey and translate that into your 9-to-5 job. And then uh, I, I'm a firm believer that the harder you work, the luckier you get. And that's that's where I'm at right now. I'm very blessed. Wow. So, All right. Well, that's a, anyway, so that's the, the serious note. Uh, on the upside, uh, sorry, and also to address, uh, like, uh, you see some of these fighters... Uh, and a lot of people have different theories on things, but my personal theory is that uh, 
from fighting every day, it was stressful every night, night in, night, you know, uh, night and day. I was completely stressed out, knowing that a fight was coming the next day. I, I think that, uh, you know, I, I compare it to like the schoolyard bully uh, at four o'clock. You know, after school, you got to face this guy, and everybody's going to be watching. You got tons of stress. You, you don't want to be embarrassed in front of people. Uh, so every night. I would live that, and you would stuff the fear down. You just become conditioned where you push it down, and you just face that big guy that's you know six foot five, two forty five, and just wants to kill you. You know, um, so I think what happens is that uh, personally, I was very blessed. I, I watched uh, my mom was a recovered alcoholic, uh, so she went through a program. I started up uh, going to Alatine uh, as a teenager. And my own, like, my mom was not a bad drunk by any means. She just had her own issues where um, she straightened things out. She got sober. Uh, she, she was working two jobs. She went back to school. She got in the government herself. And, by, again, by the grace of God, uh, pulled us through, right? Uh, so I always took that as, uh, when I started with Alateen, I started to hear some of these other stories about these other kids coming from alcoholic homes and, like, horror stories. And I was so afraid that I would be that guy. I'd end up being that dad or that that sort of animal. Uh, I knew I had a bad temper. And um, so anyway, I have always been dry. I've never drank. I've, uh, to this day, I've never had a sip of alcohol. And, uh, and it's just one of those things, like, uh, I just, I, I've tried... Yeah, uh, <laughs> we, we can talk about that. We'll after. Do, yeah, we'll get uh, into that later. later on in the story. But uh, <laughs> but in saying that, I I try to avoid alcohol in particular because you see that brings a dark side out on a lot of people. Uh, I try you know the mellow stuff, try and keep me uh, laid back. But uh, super works. That that does not work well either. <laughs> so anyway, all that to say, uh, I have a theory with the guys that uh, that you've heard in the news and the media uh, with the uh, fighters, right? They end up uh, self-medicating uh, with either drugs. A lot of guys that I'd fight, I could see that they're just wired. Their eyes were bloodshot, um, that they were just, you know, coked up or just out of their mind on something. But in order to cope with that stress every day, sure. you, you do that, right? So then they end up going down a, a dark path. And then when they, when their career ends for them, uh, luckily I didn't, you know, I didn't have a substance abuse problem. Uh, so I was able to find my way through, but the guys that don't, and they've been using that as a crutch, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's a hard fall. It's, you know, you, you talk about, you talk about the, the physical toll it takes on, on your body, right? You know, the CTE and things of that nature now has certainly come to light, but the mental toll it takes on, on hurting another human being yep. night after night. If you're a good fighter, you're probably putting the, putting the boots to somebody every night. Yep. There's got to be a psychological effect there. So the fact that you've not only addressed it, but you can uh, you can come out and talk about it so openly like that is like a testament to the person you are, man. And oh, congratulations to you. And, you know, I've when I was in high school, we just heard about Ken Tasker. And <clears throat> I don't know, there wasn't even like internet... Eight, 1995, 96 kind of came out with the internet age. Yeah. There was no, like, I couldn't Google Ken Tasker. I just knew you were a good hockey player. I didn't even know you were a fighter. I, for years, I, your, your cousin used to tell me stories about you. Your cousin, by the way, was, <laughs> I, I will tell you about your cousin. He was like, he was like my guardian. And, and I don't know why. I oh, could really? take care of myself. But yeah. whenever I'd get into any kind of hot water in high school or, or uh, elementary, he, oh, Dan, really? Dan would always sort of keep an eye out and, like, yeah. he, and he'd intervene. And yeah. he, I, I, to this day, I talk to him about it still. Anyway, he would tell me stories about my, my cousin. And, you know, I, 
your hockey escapades oh. and all that. So, but I never saw how you played. But was there a time in your career where you're like, you know what, I could do more than just fight? Yes. Like looking uh, at your stats, you know, 100%, you got six, yeah. eight points, ten points, you know, throughout yeah. your career. But the, well, yeah, the way that the the role starts, um, you know, you, you definitely you are a. Uh, uh, a hockey player first and foremost you grow up playing on the outdoor rinks and that's all you want to do and you want to play so bad that you in my my personal experience is I would do be willing to do whatever if you want me to run through the end boards that's what I would do um, as that turned out that's what uh, ended up being my my uh, role in the team and uh, it was made very clear both as a teenager and then once I started semi-pro that uh, that's what you do and if you don't do it then you won't have a place at the table basically you won't you know they won't keep you around uh, now back to my cousin uh, I got to tell you he is uh, he's a great guy like that uh, he would always have your back he's one of the guys like uh, he's old school right like uh, if, if you're back into a corner the two of you will fight your way out you know? yeah um, he was a fantastic hockey player too uh, one of those things uh, I firmly believe uh, if and it's something that comes up. I had a great mom. Uh, my dad was there a lot of the time too uh, to help me, support me in, in my hockey. Uh, for him, he had a, a single single dad and did the best he could, uh, but wasn't didn't recognize the same the talent or the drive, passion that was there. Right, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't wasn't given the same opportunities. Exactly, it wasn't given the same opportunities. <clears throat> it wasn't fostered, you know, like yeah. that that climate or Nurtured, that, yeah. that uh, culture, right? He had the skill, right? He had a, he had a big, oh, she has a big shot, so, good, beautiful hands, like so just creative, yeah. and, super uh, humble. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Down earth, you know, and like would never say it, but uh, unless it was he and I, and he just fucking drill it to me every time. <laughs> just and uh, but as I think that's important too for development. It, when you have somebody like that in your life, like you're both raising the bar on each other and you're both trying to get better and better right so we we did have that um now to that effect i knew that there's a stripe that runs through me where you know it's been there since i was a kid uh we moved around a lot when i was a kid so i was often the new kid and that's where the fighting started and i grew up in hamilton ontario which steel town fucking projects and if i wasn't fighting on at school i was fighting when i got off the bus kind of thing, yeah you know? yeah and it's one of those things like you either just you know, you fight, and I learned from an early age, you fight the, the leader of the, the pack or the gang, and once you take that guy out, everybody else just cancels Falls out, right? Place, they say, yeah. they recognize right away. So, uh, anyway, that translated into hockey. Uh, when I went out down east, uh, I was trying out for the Halifax Mooseheads, and actually, I, I tried out for the Hull Olympics as a defenseman, as a but same thing, I fought the fighter, and they just they saw that how hungry I was. But uh, the next year, when I tried over Halifax, uh, it basically solidified that I was going to be a fighter. That's what, how I was recruited. I had an old, uh, wonderful coach, uh, but he played uh, hockey in the '70s. Bill Riley, uh, one of the, I think he was the third black man in the NHL, and uh, he went through a lot of shit. You know, like terrible, awful racism, and just. Uh, but just a hard individual and a great coach to have, especially as a teenager. And one of the first things he taught me was, Kenny, if you're going to fight, you got to learn to throw that left hand. And I, I honestly, I could not, I couldn't pop a balloon with that, that left punch at the time. But uh, I learned, and then he taught me a couple of things. And uh, but I super worked on that left side, and that saved me in so many fights throughout my career. The, the left? Yeah, throwing the left because I am a predominantly righty. But once I threw that left, uh, then it, it would surprise people, right? It switches. And to this day, I hate, I hope I never have to fight again, but 
uh, throughout my whole career, you hate fighting lefties, right? Everybody lines up right, but then if somebody tags you with the left, it comes out of nowhere. Um, it, that's just the way it is in hockey. Yeah. And then uh, typically if you fight uh, like heavyweights, you you almost have to just go power for power and then surprise them with the, the odd left here and there. So as a teenager is where I, I started to learn uh, that my role was fighting. I did have a conversation with that coach, and I said, look, I... You know, I don't want to be a fighter. I want to be a hockey player. And he said, uh, Kenny, the singers sing and the dancers dance. Don't go outside of your role. Your role. You know? And that was which, uh, which coach is that? Bill Riley. Bill Riley. Yeah, awesome guy. Like, okay. uh, I, I could tell you probably a whole show just on that guy. Um, wow. So, um, yeah, so that's where it started. Now, the secondary sort of wave effect of that is that you fight a couple tough guys, and all of a sudden you got a reputation. It's like a, uh, a young gunfighter, right? And then not only that, but then I have my own teammates. Like, somebody asked them to fight, and they're like, oh, I don't fight, but Kenny Tasker's tough over there. So all of a sudden I get these tough guys funneling towards me, and I don't really have anything against them. I'm just like, fuck, I'm just trying to play hockey. You yeah, know? yeah. But then Did you also, feel like you had to protect your teammates too, or were they directing oh, them sometimes, all to you? Yeah, especially out in that Nova Scotia team, like, mm-hmm. and having a coach like Bill Riley, like... Uh, I remember one time, uh, like, shit hit the fan. It was like a complete line brawl. And uh, fucking linesman, I had my fight, and the linesman skated me off the ice. And he puts, like, one arm on each side of the door of the bench, like, where I had to get off to go to the, get off the ice. He's like, you're not getting off the ice, Kenny Tasker. Go help Jonesy. He's getting beat down there. <laughs> so I looked down the ice, and he's getting pummeled in front of their bench. And so I'm like... Okay, this is fucking on, you know? So I take off skating down the ice, and, I, like, I wind up a good six to ten feet away from the guy, and I just fucking drive him off off of Jonesy. Well, as soon as that happened, their coach came down. He's like, you, you little bastard tasker. <laughs> so he comes down to the bench, and I grab him by the tie, and I just fucking drive him off the bench. <laughs> but it was just mayhem. All I just... I see all these black jerseys. It's called the Anaganish Bulldogs, and like they're fucking hard nosed. That's where uh, John Brophy was from. A lot of and um, Bro- Brophy Maple Leafs. Maple yes, Leafs? yeah, Brophy, okay. Maple yeah. Leafs. Yeah, um, a lot of tough guys come out of uh, the Anaganish. Anyway, I'm on the boards, and uh, I just see all these jerseys vaulting over the, and I start getting hit with sticks. <laughs> and I, I just kind of I. I kind of put my arms up and I look down and I just see this sea of red jerseys coming down the ice. I'm like, fucking right, here comes the gal. Here comes the gal. <laughs> so, like, from, and, and you know, I left home at 17, you know, like, uh, so I, I get out there and that's the way you learn is like, you look out for one another and then you realize, like, when the shit hits the fan, your buddies look out for you like that. You're like, you go, I go, kind of thing. And that's that mentality and that kept us, like, as like a tight nucleus and just a tight gelled team and we knew that you know if shit went down in the bar if it went you know on the ice we knew we had each other's backs all the time so with that ingrained in you as a teenager I carried that through pro and towards the end of my career I actually started to see that erode a bit you know and like I'd tell this to the other fighters on the team like you go I go just like I'm like what the fuck are you talking about oh my god like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's starting to lose you know we're losing uh, sort of that old tough guy mentality, yeah, yeah. you know um, so from that, um, I, I did actually have a conversation with that coach where I found myself just fighting all the time. And I said, look, if you keep me in the role you're, I'm in right now, I'm going to walk. I'm going to go play university. 
and he's like, Kenny Tasker, do not go do that. You're a fighter. That's what you do. You're, you're good at it. Just keep doing that, and you'll, you know, you'll make a career of it. I said no. I, I walked. I ended up playing for St. Mary's uh, for two seasons. Huskies. How'd that yes, go? Yes, the Huskies. Oh. <laughs> Let's just say my uh, Bill Riley was was correct. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, as they say, a tiger can't change his stripes. And uh, yeah, so. that's a, a fitting one because I d- I forgot to throw in his nickname being Tiger Tasker. Oh yeah. Yeah. So uh, okay, so we've gone into a, a bunch of things right now. Kind of, uh, I think Pierre got here and started on page two. Uh, <laughs> we had a question actually from uh, a couple of our uh, uh, followers on Facebook, and okay. uh, one of them from an Eddie Davis. Bose. Okay, Bose. Oh, Bose. Yeah. Was asking, uh, was it Elmer Elementary School? Was it the Elmer Elementary School yard that you started your fighting career? Uh, no, Eddie, but I did. Uh, that was about midway through my uh, my elementary <laughs> career of fighting. Um, no, so what happened was uh, I grew up in uh, Hamilton, Ontario. Started school down there. Came to uh, Elmer. End up being like I didn't know a word of French. And uh, Elmer's a place to be in Quebec if you don't know a lick of French. It is. Yeah, yes. it is. Honestly, yes. yeah. Um, <clears throat> Not Buckingham. I did have a uh, a fight again. One of the first. I think days at school, Troy Bolkray was standing behind me. I remember, I think it was uh, Kirk Smith, Kerry Smith. Okay. I don't know, there's two Sounds brothers right. there. Okay. Yeah, anyway, so, uh, and anyway, Was Troy's, it Troy's fault? No, but Troy was mouthing in the back. Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, like, you're going to get it. And I'm like, listen, I'll just handle this. Just. <laughs> and then, uh, and funny enough, Troy remembers another guy, uh, Adam, but I can't remember the guy's last name. Anyway, a couple fights, but you fight the tough guys, and then all of a sudden you... Uh, you know, the rest takes care of yourself. You kind of get a reputation, then people leave you alone. You know, that's Troy used to, well, Troy still is a shit. Uh, you can ask some <laughs> of the stories if we go in some other interviews. Uh, but I remember Troy and your cousin. Oh, yeah. Big hockey players back in the day, you know, all the talent in the world. Big guys. Like, Troy's yeah. a pretty big dude. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's bigger now, but at the time, he was a big dude. <laughs> and Danny was still a pretty big dude. Yeah. And I remember I used to love playing goalie, so I'd borrow Liam Desiree Crawley's hockey goalie equipment. <laughs> Couldn't fit in the skates, but I put the uh, construction boots on, head up to the Belmont rink. And, oh, yeah. uh, and yeah. a lot of stuff wouldn't fit, right? So there's gaps everywhere. And, of course, these two yahoos are loving life, slap-shotting as hard as they can these oh pucks. God. And I'm like, dude, stop throwing it. Like, <laughs> the, the ice is bumpy. I'm like, we're using tennis balls or hockey balls. So I'm like, okay, I'm fine yeah, with that. Yeah. But they had to whip out the pucks. Oh they were oh, just lacing like them out. an easy target net, too. You take up the whole net, right? Oh. You're like, what, six, seven? Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> my glove hand got really good, but I'm making saves, like, top <laughs> left corner with my glove hand. Like, just, I'm like a back catcher at this point. I just want to keep my teeth. Yeah. But anyway. You, you never really played hockey, though, did you? I never played hockey growing up. Right, no, yeah. not at all. Like, organized hockey, the most I've ever played was after football when we yeah. did, like, the men's league aces there. Right, yeah. Um, which I'm kicked out of life for two uh, two yeah, of those I think, leagues. I think I was there for that night. When you Probably. Guys kept telling me there was no fighting. Um, yeah, it's Troy. But, uh, Troy's yeah, the yeah, exactly. instigator. That's right. He's always, yeah, he starts it and then he, uh, well, he, he's in there, too. He's, he's willing to go. Um but uh, I got to give you a lot of the credit because uh, you went through one of the hardest sessions I ever went through with Chris Finnerty on the oh outdoor God. rink. So for those that. that don't know, Chris Finnerty is is a true legend. Like uh, I am, you know, a, 
like a small, what do they call it, like a... a protege? No, no, no. Product like a, of it? Like, I, I'm an honorable mention at the bottom of the page, uh-huh. but... Oh, okay, okay. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Chris... Uh, he's the main focus. He's incredible. He's been uh, running hockey schools for, like, 30 years, 30-plus years, uh, and he's just unconventional. He And he has all the drills in his mind. He just whips them up, so you do a drill for 30, 40 seconds, and then on to the next one. Do this for two hours. So he has me and Brock out there on an outdoor rink. Yeah, and Ken's like, like, why don't you come skate for a little bit? I'm like, all right, I'll go watch. And of course, yeah, well, now he's doing there, these And there's full Chris drills. there. And then so he starts putting us through the whole paces. I'm still playing pro hockey, like semi-pro hockey. And I'm like, you know, I'm jumping over sticks, making turns. Shovels, and stuff. they're jumping sure. over, pucks underneath shovels. and <laughs> He's fuck. six foot seven. And at that time you were, you know, you were well into your football career, big yeah. guy. And he's doing these jumps on the ice. I'm like, oh my god, no! I can just see an ankle going. Right oh, yeah. I'm freaking, was it like a Belmont rink or something like that? Yeah, it was an outdoor was rink. It was off Fifth Preston Avenue, Street or oh, somewhere yeah. like that. Uh, like in the glee. Yeah, in the glee. Yeah, yeah. yeah. had so. me doing all this stuff. And I remember there's a couple of drills. He's like, and Ken's doing, and Ken's a very good skater, and no. like backward skating and stuff. And I was like, <laughs> and Chris was like. You only need to learn how to go backwards if somebody stops you from going forwards. I was like, done. <laughs> Always going forwards from now on out. So, uh, yeah. So, anyway, and the fact that you're you're playing as well as you are these days, uh, almost as good a golfer as uh, as you are. Oh, Congrats for those who don't. Yeah, yeah. Ken was with me for the hole-in-one. I did That see was it. my partner. It did happen. It, it was... It was beautiful. Yeah, we all heard about it. It was great. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was going <laughs> to... I read a small article in the paper. Yeah, yes. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Just that? touched Very on good. it. Very good. That <laughs> was ridiculous. That was awesome. Yeah, but it was fun. And it was great to be there. Like, I, wanna, I, I have had one in my life, and uh, it was not near as fun as Brock's. And, like, he just kind of, like, threw his hands up, like, hey, did that just happen? I'm like, oh, my God! Oh, my... And everybody's, like, looking at me, like, I got it? I'm like, no, this guy... And, like, I remember when he dropped the ball on the tee, and then he, like, didn't grab a tee, and I'm like, oh, fuck, man. Like, this is, you know... This is like close to the pin, like at least grab a tee, buddy. And then he just gets up, and I thought, okay, he's just taking a practice swing. Nope, right at it, boom. And I'm like, holy shit, that looks good, man. That looks good. One hopper right in, like, oh my god. <laughs> That's amazing. It was awesome. Why is, was why is golf uh, the, the natural sport for for uh, hockey players? Like, is it a calming sport? Is it a uh, calming and frustrating? Definitely, and like it's uh, internalized, right? Like, I find a lot of hockey players are hard on themselves, so like you hit a bad shot, it's like fuck. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of similar mechanics, though. Exactly, too. the kinetics of it is very similar. In terms like of your the torque and it's, whatnot. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, it's torque. It's your core. It, you're like you're taking the wind up back. Like when you take a slap shot, right? yeah, um, and then so golf, it's the same way. But you're also a very competitive person, and you, you know, you have to go out there and work on it yourself. If you fuck up and make a mistake, it's on you, you know. So yeah, and then uh, that work ethic again about uh, guys practicing, they'll stay out there the, the extra hours, or they'll they'll be like, okay, what's wrong with my game? Where do I work on it? So um, I think that's why I translate. Uh, hockey, of course, too, is a winter sport, so then we're all looking to do something in the summer. Uh, now, as, as far as pro hockey, like, they would always, um, management would always shun doing, like, you know, uh, aggressive sports, like, in the off-season, season, yeah, right? Sure. They want you to honor your contract. And sure. So golf Ooh, is, yeah. uh, is, is pretty natural. Um, but, yeah, uh, going back to uh, high school, though, Pep, uh, the first time I ever heard about you 
Uh oh. No, no, it's good. All good. Okay, oh, uh, good. Yeah, very uh, You were dating a girl that I was my first kiss. Ginger on. She's an awesome, awesome girl. Awesome she's girl. A, she's <laughs> a great girl. Great girl. Somehow I started dating Jennifer. At, it was, at the time, it was Hall Elementary. I think it's Hadley now. Yeah. And uh, I just remember her and Karen Sprague were like these two tall vixens walking around the school, you know? And uh, anyway. Towering over people. Yeah. yeah. Just and beautiful, you know? Yeah, Gorgeous yeah. girls. Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden... I hear that Jen's interested in me. I'm like, oh my god! Like, what does she see in me? You know, like God. Anyway, it was like one and done, a kiss, and then things fizzled right out. <laughs> uh, I think I got caught by her parents. We were out. Uh, funny enough, Danny was there. Dan- so we Danny's at, everywhere. Danny you is, don't Danny, want him to Danny be. Danny literally is everywhere all the time. It's I'd be amazing. surprised if he doesn't pop up tonight. Yeah, he's here. Well, okay. we, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so we were uh, we were at her house. Her parents were supposed to be out, and uh, all of a sudden. We hear the door lock, right? Fuck. We start scrambling, running out the back door. Well, hadn't they been knocking for like three or four minutes already? And her dad was a cop. Oh, yeah. Former uh, RCMP. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Comes around back and sees us <laughs> coming out. He's like, back in you go, boys. <laughs> That's and kind I'm of the like, way he talks to it. Oh, yeah. Deep, deep voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God. We're so fucking busted. And she's my homeroom teacher. Like, oh, so, man. So we're walking up the stairs. Meanwhile... Mrs. Jerome goes in in the house starts like settling down her purse and stuff and then uh, Mr. Jerome I I don't remember his name but anyway he goes Jeff uh, Jeff okay yeah he's like "Uh, well you know Jennifer's had a couple boys over and I can hear her coming out and Jennifer goes out (laughs) she opens the door and pushes me and Danny out (laughs) and we're gone and then I, so the next day I go to class I'm like fuck him did I get ratted out did she like tell who I was I get there fuck not a clue I'm like she's a fucking good girl man. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> she's got your yeah. back you know oh yeah, yeah so awesome girl so when I heard uh, you were dating her I was like fuck that's awesome man you know like you, you know you were always like everybody talked to you about you about sports football and said you're an awesome guy like same thing it was the Darcy Philman thing right always and uh, anyway so yeah, we... Uh, Interesting. Yeah, Je- funny. Jen's a nice girl. Jen was... Uh, her parents did a lot for a lot of kids. I oh, think my God. They, you know, they took Incredible. in a lot of kids. Yeah. Uh, if they weren't living there, they were getting tutored by her parents, yeah, you know? So yeah. I, uh, I got to give them uh, a lot of credit. Uh, may they rest in peace. Both of them, unfortunately, are no longer with us. Oh, yeah. Really? Sorry, rest in peace. Oh. Sorry, uh, her, her mother passed away a few years ago, and uh, her... Father passed away maybe three years ago, I did not two three years that. ago. I'm so I'm but, sorry uh, to bring it up, uh, but uh, no, it's you, you know, know what I think wonderful people. Yeah, and I think Jen would be the first to say, you know, like they everything went the way it had to have gone. So it's it's good. Jen's moved on. She's got a wonderful partner, oh, great. Uh, a son, and uh, she's living life. Works for the government as well, wow, so okay. she's doing really well. We we keep in touch. Sporadically, just a bit, you know, hey, how's life? How's okay, it going? Good, but good. Uh, she's doing well. So oh, great, I'm sure great, next great. time I talk to her, I'll tell her that you please say hello. Do, please yeah. do, bud. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Any other, uh, Mike, any, other, any old relationships you want to bring up? Did you date Jen too? Wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was in uh, Ottawa West. So I, uh, actually, funny <laughs> story. Jen Bureau went to, went to Sejep and was Jen Duran's roommate. Is that right? For a couple of years in her first apartment after she moved out from her parents' place. So oh they're, God, like they're six degrees small, crazy. Yeah. Jen Bureau, by the way, manages the uh, this restaurant. Right. So um, she's the one that broke us the news that the triple quarter uh, third pounder hot dogs were no longer available tonight. I think the Red Blacks stole them and cut them up and gave them away to people because they're hurting for. Uh, I had to settle for a regular food. hot. Dog. Yeah, garbage. Yeah. Sounds no, fantastic. It's always next time. I'm honestly going about 23 hours right now without 
comedian, so I'm about to dummy something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you do. You kind of got that look in your eye. And it's a little bit, it, it reminds me of when we played and you gave me that stare down. I was like, fuck, he's, I felt, he's pretty. Uh, I felt so shitty about that. Yeah. Fucking, were you there? Were you playing hockey at that point? No. Oh, fuck. So we're playing men's league. Pick up all friends. Up. All buddies. All buddies and fucking doesn't Brock lay me out twice? Oh, and I'm hardly out. Was I, it by I'm accident? signed up for the whole. Well, okay. First one I said for sure it's an accident. I, I give him the benefit of the doubt. Second one I'm like he fucking sees me and then he railroads me. Okay, that's my version. That's what I see. Okay, what happened? I think I was there for that. Was <laughs> I'm chasing Ken down, and Ken's a very good skater. No, I is. don't turn on a dime. He fucking turns the puck over, whatever, and he stops, like, hard, like a professional hockey player, to turn to go the other way and down the ice. Well, I'm like a fucking train, and I need to come to a slow stop, but so I don't turn, and he turns right in front of me, turns back, and, and shoulder to chest, hits me right in the chest, hits the deck, and boom, Tiger has been awoken. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. Said, ah, Did you say fuck. sorry? No, you just play a tall guy. Well, that's the thing. You skate back. You laughed as soon as it happened, and then you didn't say sorry. I said, fuck. Oh, yeah, he's serious. It's on. He did this on purpose. Oh, my God. And of course. Wasn't the second time you were coming across the middle, weren't you? Oh, yeah, wide open. Fuck, laid me out like Paul You gave him a suicide hit like. Fucking Scott Stevens. Because it looked worse, way worse. Oh, my God. And I was like, well, there's no way that was on purpose, but sure looked on purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, he didn't fucking try and turn. He didn't try another. Boom. So that has not happened in a long time. I believe like, if that happened today, we would be sending thoughts and prayers. <laughs> this <laughs> only happened fucking yeah, a month is. ago. Yeah. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. This that was, was not. Ago. No, no. We are okay. still established. Uh-huh. Kids, wives, families. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, no, but, and honestly, yeah. but that's to speak to, you know, how rehabilitated I am right now. You know, normally if this was the old days, like. Fuck, that might have been something. Would have been yeah. something. Yeah. But I, I got up and I warned him. I said, fucking Brock. I thought no more. I said something I like, it was uh, going, yeah. You want to play the role or something like that? And he's like, yeah, that's exactly what he said. You see, do you want to play that role or whatever? Then play it the full way or whatever. Like so, go the full way. Basically, you want to play tough guy? Fight then me. fucking let's go. How much shit did you put in your pants after that? No, uh, he knew. He knew. I was oh, like, I'd calm down. I'd simmer down. And then some of the other guys. Were like, I didn't back down, but I was like, "This is gonna tell me one way or the other how this life goes," you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, well, there was a guy on my team uh, used to work for Brent, a real good hockey player. Um, he's at Boulder Exam. Matty Warren? No. No, the uh, young, or not young, but uh, French. Eric Savard. Eric Savard. Oh, yes. yeah, he was there. Good hockey so player. So he goes very good. You know, he can't hardly skate, right? And I'm like. <laughs> It doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> so back to hockey, uh, this old, this uh, Link Gates. If you guys ever... I remember Link. Look him up. Okay, there's tons of familiar. stories. Oh, he was a first-round draft pick to San Jose. Monster. Yeah, just... 6'6", yeah. like, six, six, 310 Brock pounds. And then uh, put him on fucking coke, heroin, whatever he can get his, his mitts on. Saturday nights. Yeah. Okay. And the Quebec League, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, this guy, so uh, apparently he had a bad car accident, uh, flew through the windshield, like skidded like 100 feet, uh, lost part of his uh, skull. They reattached it. Anyway, it was never the same since. Still played in the NHL, but was mainly just a fighter, but never the same again, but just a lethal human being. Uh, 
just one of those guys. I think he played in Sherbrooke. Did he did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I had and a I close run in with him, like, and it was one of those things, like, similar, like, fuck, I'm gonna go here, but I'm gonna leave with a piece of me missing here, you know. Like, so uh, what happened was in one, in those warm ups in Quebec, they had the one of the goal scorers was warming up on the red line, so I take, I start peeling around as fast as I can. I come up to the line. Snow and full of snow, and overcomes Link Gates. And I didn't think, like, I didn't think he'd fucking freak out, but sure did. He came over, and I, like, he was coming right for me. So I put my stick up on his chest. I'm like, Link, you take one more fucking step, I'm gonna curve your fucking eye out. And it just stopped him in his tracks where he just stood there and looked, and I was like, and he just didn't do anything. I was like, thank fuck. I just scared him <laughs> just enough to plant it the seed. Gone you know? well. Oh, yeah. Oh. Like, but that uh, that Quebec league, and you scared me thinking, you know, saying that you were considered going to play there. I'm like, you know what? Even Donald Brashear was out there, and yeah. we all wanted a piece of him. Like, as all fighters, we just wanted a shot. What's it like to fight a guy in the NHL? You right. know? So you see a guy come out six foot seven. I was like, oh man, there's going to be some guys. Plus, the league was full of like. That George Larac, too, was that? George Larac yeah. was, I think he, at some point, I, I didn't cross paths with him, but. Um, there was a, a couple of NHL. It was, I was there during the lockout, and uh, but scary human beings. A lot of uh, hell's angels. A yeah. lot of guys that uh, did work for uh, organized crime. Sure. Uh, sure. Speaking of Troy, uh, we were on our way back from uh, Montreal one night. I was playing for uh, one of the teams in Quebec. I won't. I won't mention which one, but. Uh, the team, I knew the owner ran the boxing in Montreal, and uh, I'm sitting there wearing my leather jacket, and I've got the logo on, and uh, we're in Tim Hortons at like 2.30 in the morning. Troy's come down there from Ottawa like he would every game. Right. <laughs> and uh, Troy was great for that. He he'd awesome. go anywhere. He'd find yeah. his friends. He'd go, excuse to go down. And, yeah, we'd have this uh, routine where, you know, you'd come watch the game, then we'd go to the casino, and then we'd drive home, right? So all of a sudden, we're, stuck, we're at uh, Tim Hortons in like Regal, like halfway between and we're sitting down we're enjoying you know our hot chocolate or whatever all of a sudden there's this guy that's sitting like two tables over and he's kind of buggy like he's snickering to himself and eyeballing me and it just got awkward I'm like okay what's up he's like you play for Marciano that's not not the guy's name but I'm like yeah he's like did you just use an alias for this story yeah probably good well done I like it so he goes uh I'm like, yeah. He's like, you tell him when I see him, I'm going to carve his fucking eyes out. I was like, cool, here we go. <laughs> Middle of the night, Tim Hortons like, fuck. This is the, the Tim same Hortons thing, next to the, same the big thing, nudie bar, right? The same thing you told Link Gates? Uh, but the same, is no, that the no, same no. threat you gave uh, Link yeah, Gates? True. Coincidentally, yeah. yeah. You say, hey, he took my line. Yeah, he took my line, buddy. stealing my shit. Feed him. Uh, but he says, I'm going to carve his eyes out. And Yikes. Oh, fuck. I'm, and so I kind of laugh it off. I'm like, what are you, a boxer? He fucked over. And he's like, he starts laughing. He's like, you know what I do? I lend people money. And when they can't pay me, I take the car, I take their house, I take everything. And I was like, oh, Yikes. Fuck, man. And so in my head, I'm processing. I'm like, okay, just diffuse it. I look over at Troy, and he's white. He's like, <laughs> get the fuck out. Let's get out. How do we get Yikes. So, uh, so, we go, so I go, uh, okay. I said, uh, well, sorry to hear that. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll pass the message on. And he's like, uh, you one of those fighters? I'm like, yeah. He's like, uh, you making good money doing that? I'm like, yeah, I do. I do pretty good. He's like, uh, you got any Irish in you? I'm like, yeah, I'm like three quarters. He's like, three quarters, I love it, I love it. He goes, uh, listen, why don't you come work for me, make some real money? He goes, you making 100 grand? I'm like, 
home. He's like, you come work for me, you're going to make some real money. He's like, uh, I'm Irish Mike. And I was like, oh, fuck, man. Like, I go, thanks anyway, but I'm just, I'm going to school. I, you know, at the time I was at Concordia. I'm like, I'm just going to school. I, I fight on the side, like as a hockey player, because that's what I did, but I don't want any part of any, anything else. And then he started getting sort of pissed off again. He's like, you tell your owner I'm taking his fucking eyes. I'm like, okay, okay. Anyway, diffuse the situation. I politely decline his offer to go work for him. I go, I get in the car. Troy's like, get the fuck out of here. And like, he's looking in the rear view, like, is he there in that suburban? (laughs) (laughs) So I call my manager. I'm like, um, I'm like, yeah. So uh, I just met this interesting character. And he says he wants to take the owner's eyes. He's like, Kenny, you're part of the family now. I'm like, listen, I'm not part of any fucking family. They tell him <laughs> some fucking guy is What's looking the... for him, you know? Yeah. So within seconds, I get a call from the owner. He's like, uh, Kenny, I hear you met one of my colleagues. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, uh, yeah. He's, uh, he's pretty pissed off. He's like, uh, well, what did he say? He said, well, he said when he sees you, he's going to take your eyes. And he's like this long, awkward pause and silence. And he goes, what did you say? I said, I said nothing. I said, I didn't like, give the message. <laughs> and then another awkward pause. And he goes, I wish you would have punched him in his fucking face. <laughs> I'm like, listen, I'm sure he's carrying a firearm. I'm yeah. out in the middle of nowhere. I yeah. go, uh, and he's like, well, what else did he say? I said, well, then he asked me if I was... Irish. Then I'm thinking, yeah. well, yeah, I didn't mention the Irish part, but then yeah. I'm thinking, maybe I can leverage it. Exactly. Like, he was going to offer me $100,000. Yeah, he was offering $100,000. And he's like, he starts laughing. He's like, uh, he, he did, did he? He goes, uh, well, just to let you know, um, some of the guys do some work for me on the side if you're ever interested. Uh, you know, we can work something out. I was like, listen, I'll, honest to God, I'll tell you exactly what I told him. I, thank you. I appreciate it, but I'm... I'm I'm just in it to fight, you know, play hockey and fight and get out and go to school, and that's all I, I want. He goes, uh, he goes, okay, well, if uh, you ever change your mind, just let me know. He goes, uh, but I'll explain what happened. He goes, uh, I'm in the business of lending money as, as well. Uh, he goes, uh, the same guy was into both of us for money. I got to him first, and I cleaned him out. There's nothing left for and that's why he's pissed off. I'm like, oh, fuck. He's like, uh, he goes, some of the guys on the team do collect for me on the side, and if you're... Uh, if you're ever looking to make extra money, that's what the guy's doing. And uh, well, I was like, thank you, but no thank you. Uh, I just want to go home right now. It's amazing how, well, I guess, like you were a bartender for a while too. And yep. when you're in those industries, <clears throat> especially guys that are athletes and like bigger, you're going to get roped into that. And it's it's very enticing. Oh, yeah. I got asked for that when I was at the Bearfax. Yeah. And I remember the one guy, Jilson, was telling me oh. he was a, yeah. Big Jilson, this guy from Brazil, nice guy. like super nice guy, but you know, obviously can fly off the the deep end pretty quick. Um, but he was there, and because I was playing football, he was always he'd always pull me aside and say, "Hey, that guy over there, he's probably going to try and offer you a job. Stay away from it, you know." So he'd keep me sort of on the tip on my tippy toes to make sure that I don't snag any of those jobs. And he was speaking from experience because he took them. And, um, I remember, whatever, he was into a bunch, and I remember seeing him at the uh, Rito Center or something. He called me. He's like, oh, I, you know, you want to grab a coffee? Like, I'd love to chat. It's okay. I said, what's going on? He's like, oh, I'm trying to get my shit together and whatever. 
And I used to give him like my old track suits and stuff like that. He's a big guy, so I, he's got my Ottawa U track suit. I think he's got my Colgate track suit. Stuff that I was like, I'm not gonna wear. Now I wish I had them. Jillson, if you're listening to him, <laughs> although you probably don't have them, <laughs> he probably doesn't. Have them. <laughs> no, he definitely doesn't have them because they would have taken them. But uh, I'd given them to him, and I forget he had kids and stuff too. So I was just giving him whatever stuff I had. I'd get free shit. Um, anyway, he calls me and he's like, Oh, I'm gonna get out of this, and I got to do whatever it takes to get my life together. I said, You know, good for you. You know, like anything I can encourage you to do, that's great. Not four days later, am I at the driving range with my father in Orleans, and uh, I get a phone call, and I'm like, I don't know this number, so I pick it up, and it's uh, Detective Smith from the Ottawa Police Department. I was like, fuck, all right. Like, yeah, this is Brock. What can I do for you? And he's like, uh, so we have uh, Jilson in custody. Uh, he's given you as a character witness. Um, can you come in for an interview? I'm like, fuck all right so i hang up the phone i set it up the next day i finished with my dad and i give him like i don't even know what the hell's going on well I'll find out that uh i guess in order to get out he was tasked with something and he was arrested uh he had broken in this guy's house just was all coked up to get it done went in to basically take this guy out with a, a ninja sword a samurai sword almost cut the guy's leg right off but there was somebody else in the apartment which you know ended up the odds and whatever spooked him and he was arrested running up the street and this is an apartment building uh, not far from the police department up the street all cooked up with a ninja sword in the middle of Metcalf going all the way up and that's where he was picked up anyway I said holy fuck but it was after I was just like like, this is the kind of stuff that he was looking out for me for. You know what I mean? Everybody had, because we were still playing sports, guys knew that they were going to come down and ask you for stuff. And, and luckily for me, a lot of guys, because I, I love making money, you know what I mean? Like, so that would be very enticing, where if I'm going from putting $10 to put a chair on stage at Bearfax, where they think is great, and somebody offered me a 1000 bucks to go punch a guy in the face... You think oh, it can be, yeah, and I think it's a slippery slope, right? Like, Very slippery slope. That, and then once they got you, they got you. That's always been my my belief, you know. But uh, but I'm I'm obviously very thankful that you didn't get into it either, and you know, especially in the. In the scenario that you were in, in the different uh, ranks, you know, you talk about that when you say I, you were surprised that I wanted to, I was actually considering it, and it relates to the very first topic we let off with, which was super exciting and happy, um, <laughs> was the transition from yeah. one thing, right. losing that, um, I don't say desire, but losing like the just putting the a, feeling of importance, a finality. In it. Yeah, yeah, but like people not knowing who you are, not giving a shit who you are, identity. You know what I mean, like that. And that's I saw that with you, with the hockey thing, and I loved it because I was getting all that attention. I wasn't even playing. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was walking around the rink, oh and God. people thought I was somebody. <laughs> you know what I mean? Again, whatever. And so yeah. I'm just like, ah, fuck it. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. I need that back. Yeah. Athletes, so that's that athletes suffer two two deaths in their life. Their physical being and then their careers. Wow. You know? Okay, and that yeah. and it's never heard of it. Yeah, that and way, it's it's uh, it's tough to overcome and you know, every we're all we're all here for a finite amount of time, but when your athletic career ends, it's it is like there's a mourning period. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of guys are not ready for it, whether it's hockey, football, whatever sport basketball some of these guys they go from playing practicing twice a day you know up and down the court twice a day to 
zero exercise. Yeah. You know, and it's 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 more mental than it is anything else. They yep. can handle the physical. Actually, in oh, fact, yeah. they're probably pleased to not being not have to practice two a days and play a travel a hundred nights hundred nights a week a year. Yeah. But uh, it's the like, you know, who who am I now? Like, am I? I'm not Kobe anymore. And know? I think so. the, the bigger the pedestal, the more they built you up, the, the, the harder that death is to accept. Well, that's it. Well, you know? for sure. That's 100%. it. And, and it's like uh, it, uh, you were talking earlier, and it, it reminds me of a line from Hoop Dreams where, you know, that everybody's, oh, remember me when you make it to the pros and don't forget don't forget us and this and that. And he's like, well, well, where's everybody now that oh, yeah. wasn't yeah. going to, I wasn't going to forget you, but now you've forgotten me kind of thing. And yeah. you sort of left, left, left behind. And, uh, 100%. you know, you dedicated all this time to a, a pro career. Yeah. Uh, they've gone on and you know what I mean? And where, yeah. are, you, where are you at now? hundred percent. And then it, like, uh, in terms of, uh, I always looked at it like a bad breakup. Like it was like, uh, yeah. something I couldn't go back to. I did not touch the ice. I didn't go near anything hockey related for five years. I remember, uh, still getting presents from my mom about, uh, hockey like uh, rock'em talk'ems and things like that and I would just say look I do not want any more of this I can't like it it just it strikes a chord in me that I, a place where I don't want to think about it anymore sure. you know? and uh, and then but I found uh, myself once I had kids and my son started to pick up hockey sticks and stuff that's where I, the passion came back you know and it's uh, I didn't think it would come back and it, it has and uh, like I'm back to the point where uh you know, I'm in a good place with the game, and I appreciate where I went. But for a long time, there was a, a lot of negativity, and I just thought, you know, like I have given everything, and uh, and then there's nothing there, you know, and you have no identity, and then people just kind of look at you like, well, you know, you shouldn't have chased hockey. It was like, fuck, like before you're telling me. Do you me have so any cool. regrets about that? If you go back now, do you have any regrets of how long you played for and how long you might have? Held yeah. on. Two two regrets. I would have uh, finished university. Uh, and uh, funny enough, like uh, we'll, we'll get into that another time about university. But uh, I really wish I would have finished university and then gone on to pro. And then two, I wouldn't have chased the money uh, into the Quebec League the way I did. Uh, I would have. I had one more year left down in the uh, East Coast League, and actually Brophy asked me to go back. And I said no, I, but I would have played with a couple really good guys, Zen and Kanopka. Oh, the great guy. Yeah. yeah, sure. And uh, so, I mean, regrets, but, you know, nothing nothing that I, I lose sleep over. I just think, you know, I, and I actually had a couple chances to play on, like, uh, the junior teams that were hosting, like, the... Um, Memorial Cup Ro- or something? Not Memorial, but uh, Royal Bank Cup. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I didn't go, and I just thought, you know, I now as an adult, I understand that opportunity. Like, you know, you, you uh, get a chance to play in front of that type of audience, you just go. You don't even think about it, you just go. Whereas me at the time, I was like, ah, oh, I don't want to go and then, you know, be the team that gets beat up on by the teams that are true qualifiers. So that team that I didn't go to, I believe it was Summerside, uh, ended up winning the Royal Bank Cup that year. Mm-hmm. And... Um, the uh, the coach I can't think of him right now, but he's coach of Vegas. Um, oh, Constantine is a no. Uh, no, uh, he's from PEI. Uh, great guy. Um, Tippett. Lavalette. Uh, uh, no, Peter Lavalette's in Nashville, but I did Nashville, play for right, him yes. in uh, yes. in uh, Providence. But uh, great coach. Anyway, uh, fantastic. Anyway, that guy ended up going on to the NHL. Uh, Sean Thornton ended up being on that team, went on to play in the NHL, and, and I just think you know, like, what an idiot I was. Why didn't yeah. I just take that? Uh, so, I mean, just, but honestly, stuff, I always, at the time, lived my life playing hockey. Uh, 
making the best decisions I could. Vegas guy was a uh, Detroit Red Wing coach or player. Yes, uh, uh, Durant. Uh, Gerard Gallant. Gerard Gallant. Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, thank God. Yes. That was going to bother me. Thank you. Uh, thank I'm you, old, Mike. I'm old enough <laughs> to remember him. I'm old, old enough to remember him as a player. Oh, so. That's how old we are. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah no kidding. You are. Yeah, 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 same right. here. Oh, same here. Right. Yeah. So I remember when he called me, and he's like, Kenny, we're hosting it. Uh, I think we've got a really good shot. And uh, I just said, you know, thanks, but I'm going to stick, stay in. At the time, I was living in Halifax, and I said, I'll stay here. And I just didn't, I didn't see... I didn't see into the future like the opportunity that was there. You know, mm-hmm. I thought just going back to Prince Edward Island. And uh, anyway, that's the way it goes. You know, that's now uh, now that my son plays, and uh, you know, I know it was sort of pass that wisdom on to my kids someday when they're saying, you know, I'm not going to. You're fucking going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear that, kid? You're going. You're going. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, and we're going to lighten the mood a little bit. There's a lot of stories there that I want to dive into a little bit. Okay. And I want Ken to explain them. Curse okay. is gone. There's one I wanted him to talk about, but he's gone. We'll be right back. Okay. All right, and we are back with uh, Ken Tasker for uh, the editing purposes. This is all one episode for real life. We just spend about an hour offline uh, talking about stories that will not be aired. Um, Great stories. At least not till uh, way in the future. <laughs> all right, um, we're going to do a, a couple part series with uh, with Ken because there's just so much stuff we want to ask him, and right now is really uh, uh, we're just the tip of the iceberg. Really, um, we did have a few other questions from guys who had submitted things on Facebook that kind of gets into a little bit more of the lighter side of the uh, the team environment, and hockey seems to be one of those groups where because it's a smaller team and everybody's kind of the same, it seems like the the camaraderie in a hockey locker room is uh is one that's it's fairly hard to recreate into other sports anyway mike dean has put out the question of what's the worst prank you've had pulled on you and did you ever retaliate for a said prank wow mike sounds dean. like he's leading you into something well i would say that the worst prank was probably the last blues fest here in ottawa and my friend <laughs> who shall remain nameless uh coerced me into trying uh, medical marijuana for the first time ever. <laughs> coerced? That was the second time you and I almost went within like a month. <laughs> it was absolutely 100% pure pr- peer pressure. Yeah, I felt like I had to do it. I had no choice. And uh, so I did take one hoot off of it and things were feeling fantastic. Okay, and then the second time this friend of mine who shall remain nameless uh, leaned in and said, do another. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, fuck, what harm can I do? I'll take another. Full-on panic mode right there. I went into uh, paranoia, and you were there standing. You were not the guy to supply this, uh, by the way. No, I was not. Uh, there were several friends there that could be uh, guilty of this. Uh, anyway, I started. I think you started looking around to check on me, make sure I was okay. And right away, I, I started thinking, oh, my God, he's looking at me because I just said something inappropriate. And, like, you got turned around, like, yep, I fucking said something inappropriate. <laughs> Fuck, why did I say something so inappropriate? And then Scott Endicott started looking at me. I'm like, yeah, I fucking said something really bad. <laughs> so my wife is there. 
God bless her She is a rock I lean into her And like at that point We were there what Maybe 15-20 minutes It was not long So I lean into her I'm like So you ready to go She's like What I'm like You ready to go Uh No <laughs> you, Is something wrong I'm like Yeah I think we should go <laughs> She's like Well how about you just get some water I'm like No we gotta go <laughs> And she uh, led me through the throng of people, and I explained to her. First, she said, so we're leaving. She's like, yeah, he's not feeling well. And I remember looking at Ken, and I was like, yeah, he doesn't look good. Like, should we, like, and then they, they, they proceed to leave, and I'm like, should we check on him? Like, he really didn't look good. Like, if he goes down, she's not going to be able to pick him up. Oh, yeah. And we're like, is he okay? And then said friend was like, yeah, he just had a, a puff or two and, yeah. and I was like is that really what's happening and so they had taken off yeah. I found out later what happened yeah so um, honestly so post career back to talking to you Pierre um, I always said I would not take uh, try uh, alcohol because it just you know brings out a bad streak in people right it, uncontrollable uh, weed a lot of hockey players have talked about it about concussions and uh, I've had honestly I've had probably three to four coaches tell me Kenny you need to try marijuana. You need to try something that will calm me down and mellow you out. So post-career, that's what I tried it. And uh, the odd time, I find sometimes it's it really calming. Other times, this particular time was was one of those full-on paranoia uh, events. But luckily, I had the love of my life. Uh, she's tiny, you know, like, I don't know, 5'6", five, 5'7". 115 pounds, like marching me through, pissed right off at me, <laughs> marching me through the throng of people, and every guy that I bumped into, I'm like, it's on. That guy wants to fight me too. Get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so she uh, walks me back to our car, and I get, you know, I get back to our car, and uh, I don't remember the walk at all. I just remember it felt like it took two hours. And then it felt like she was flying down the parkway to get home. And I'm telling, I'm holding on both to the console and the door. I'm like, slow down, slow down. And she's like, I am going slow. You want me to pull over? I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm good. She's like, I'm going to pull over. I'm like, do not pull over. Just keep going. Get me home. I'm in a bad state right now. And then <laughs> it all let loose. I started throwing up. I'm trying to get the window down. Boom. Hits the window, off the window, back on me. <laughs> She is just glaring at me oh. and gagging. Uh, uh, I'm like, <laughs> and I'm right away. I'm so then I. She's like, I'm gonna pull over. I'm like, no, no. I'm heaving out the door. I'm, and then she just starts. I can tell. Then I start feeling guilty. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. She's like, this is disgusting. Like she's never seen me like this, and I've never been like that, right? And I'm I'm banking on my buddy. Like I'm thinking, fuck, this stuff is good. Like it's just gonna be mellow. One of the worst episodes I've ever had. Worst reactions to anything like that. I'm on all fours, fucking heaving. And I hear her talking to you, Brock. She's like, yeah. Well. He's dry even right now. <laughs> I'm like, I said, how's he doing? Because <laughs> yeah. I'm like, ah, fuck, he didn't look good. Like, I'm worried. Let me know. I left a message. I said, let me know when you guys are home, safe, you know, whatever. So she calls me. She's like, well, we're home. She's like, I think she's like, pretty sure that said friend tried to poison my, my husband because <laughs> he's dry even in the thing right now. And he just, he threw up all outside the car. He threw up inside the car. He's like, anyway, I was like, oh my God. I'm like, is he okay? She's like, well, he'll be fine, but... 
this, this was last Blues Fest? Like yeah. the one that, yeah, like the one that just passed. The one that I left sick too, but it was for different reasons? For different reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, she, she's pretty pissed at me. She's like, Eric Church, you know, we spent how much money on those tickets? We were there for 15 minutes. That's why I kept looking back because I'm like, you know, uh, you know, Kayla and them were all kind of already. We'd oh. been there for a while drinking and stuff, and they're all shooting a shit. And I, I felt like you guys weren't having a good time, and I really, I felt bad. No, no. And like, I'm like, oh, it, they don't I seem to be say, enjoying themselves. I'm like, like oh. I was having an awesome time talking to Mike Dean and his wife or his girlfriend, and uh, Misty was hitting it off with her, and then Andrew was there. I was like, this is fucking, this is an awesome vibe, you know. And then all of a sudden, things just turned bad, turned dark. And uh, so all the way back home, you know, I get in, I was throwing up in the lawn, I get in, get in the house, start throwing up into the house, and I'm like, it seems like forever, I'm like, where is my wife? Like, she's still out there, like, I better go check on her. She's out there with the hose, like, hosing down the inside, the outside of the van, I'm like, oh my god, she is such a good girl, you know, like, they don't come any better than that, I'll tell you that. Anyway, so uh, that was, uh, I would say, one of the pranks. Uh, and that said friend definitely has something coming back his way someday. I'm just not sure exactly how. I obviously won't poison him to that effect. That was <laughs> taken a little far. But uh, funny funny enough, it is Mike Dean that we're talking about. But uh, when he came down to see me, I was playing in Long Beach, him and Brent McNamee. And um, for some reason, like on TV shows, antiquing was big. Do you remember that? <laughs> Like the actual art of buying old shit? No, no, no like no, having no. it evaluated. Stuff? No, no, no. We're to- totally off base here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we didn't. We missed something. Oh. Yeah. So basically, what it is is uh, like you're sleeping, yeah. and somebody walks up to you and fucking hammers you with a fistful of flour, and like oh, right antique. in the face. Antiquing. Yeah. So then you look like an antique. <laughs> an antique yeah. And like. <laughs> So I think I think I got I can't remember if I got hit first But I know I definitely got Mike Dean And he was not happy You remember You know he's got that That nickname Grizz Yeah Oh fuck hey, The grizzly up. bear lip Yeah yeah Grizzly bear Bottom lip hanging out When he's hammered usually Oh yeah usually I but. think he's over it now But he used to Remember I was I never understood that And then we were in London You were there too Pep yeah. We went to London with Gordon And I had on like videotape And I'm like Holy fuck that really is And his lip would be like Like this when he gets Oh yeah Straight I've grizzly. I've seen it, yeah. Uh, another funny story. Um, so we, they come down and see me, uh, Brent, Alex, and uh, Mike Dean. They rent this convertible Mustang, okay? And we're, at the time, I just happened to be injured, so I was long-term injury reserve, so I wasn't practicing, wasn't playing. My team flies out somewhere else. I'm like, I'm off. So we leave... LA or like Hollywood we go to Vegas and we have a great time there you know go to the casinos go to the bars or whatever and then it comes time for the drive back four hours on the fucking desert all the way back and everybody's like I'm not driving I'm not driving Mike Dean's like I'll drive <laughs> like alright man he's fucking taking the wheel like gotta and he's like I'm good boys I'm good well, aren't we going down the fucking highway all of a sudden? Like, I pass, I, I just doze off, right? But I wake up to, oh! I wake up, we're fucking slamming into the car in front of us on the highway, on the freeway. <laughs> I look over, Mike Dean's waking up. <laughs> oh, he fell asleep. Oh. I fell asleep at the wheel, fucking slam in front of us. And we're like, oh. I thought you were good. He's like, I thought I was good too. <laughs> Having a great sleep. (laughs) (laughs) You woke me up. Ten minutes in. (laughs) I was driving so smoothly. (laughs) All I remember of of him saying about that, I just I felt terrible because like 
I was like, in the U.S., like everybody sues everybody, right? Like she's gonna sue him. He had some. He had taken the insurance out and said, "Fuck it." He gave him the keys. They're like, "Yeah, it's damaged. You're gonna have to pay for it." No, I don't. I, I bought insurance. Like they they tracked him all the way back here to Canada, like calling him and mailing him and stuff. He's like, "I am not paying a dime. I bought insurance." And you never had to pay a dime. So, moral of the story: get insurance. Get insurance. Get, insurance. Yeah. get some sleep. Get, get some sleep. sleep. Yeah. yeah. Stay the extra night. <laughs> uh, but honestly, good times. Uh, anytime you see Mike Dean, fucking awesome guy. Him and Brent McNamee, you know, great guys. Brent would come down and see me. Uh, he came down to see me in Long Beach. Came down to see me in Providence. I got called up, and like I called my family, and they're like, "Yeah, sorry, we're, we're not flying to Providence, yeah. Rhode Island. Tell us how it is, you know." Send us a postcard. Yeah, but fucking Brent gets in the truck and drives down, and like I was like, "Fuck, that's a great guy, man!" Like sees me at, at my moment, and meanwhile, like and I, I'm pretty sure he saw me with my initiation to the AHL. Like, so my my kind of trademark in the East Coast League was like, and from Thunder Bay, like I wanted like a hook, kind of like an identity or a you know, signature. So I'd fire my gloves way up in the air mm-hmm. as, as we're about to fight. And like, if the guy looked, I was fucking going right out. You know, like if he's like dazed. And uh, so I do it. My first game in the American League. Psych. Fuck, the gloves go up and the guy's just fucking staring right at me. Like, oh boy, okay. <laughs> and like, we trade punches, but he was a big boy. He fucking knocks my tooth right in like drove it right in and I'm like oh my god like and it looked bad you know I get back to the bench and Peter Laviolette who was with Nashville was my coach he's like yeah you may not want to showboat so much you know just <laughs> so, but I'm, I'm on the bench and I'm like I'm just pulling my tooth out like out of it you know it was dented in but I'm like fuck this I can't play like this I'm pulling it out and the guys are like looking at me like kid don't pull it out I'm like, I pull it out and they're like no no I'm like I didn't pull it out. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. The trainer's like, come on. Like, we're going to get that fixed. Um, so anyway, but uh, Brent was there to see that kind of stuff. You know, I was like, fuck, what a great guy. Yeah. You know, like, and then end up coming to see me in Long Beach. Didn't get to see me play because I was injured, but uh, we had a fucking awesome time down there. Nice. So yeah, it's Loyal always friends. nice. Nice yeah. when your friends can see you because I gotta say this: like playing hockey, I was so driven. Like I knew that's all I wanted to do, right? Like I, so I didn't drink. I didn't. I worked out all the time. Whenever people were going to parties and stuff, I was like, I'm not going to be that guy. I'm just going to stay focused on hockey, and it carried me uh, a long way. But then I found once I was out there, it's lonely. Like you don't. You have your friends on the team, which is good, but not like you, you just kind of meet this guy and then you're you know six months later you're gone to a different place and he's gone to a different place so you develop some good chemistry like you were saying like that's where it, maybe why like it is like a family in the dressing room like you gel or you don't gel and, and like those teams are fucking horrible to play on you know yeah but if you get a good chemistry with uh, some of these guys uh, then it's a treat you know but for the most part I find as a you know not that I was a semi-pro athlete but I'm sure a lot of pro athletes will say this too it's lonely you're away from your family you're away from your friends uh, so when uh, whenever you'd see a, a family member or a friend come to town it's special you know it was awesome um, that Trevor Sen fight that's so popular uh, my mom was in town with uh, my cousins and uh, all I kept thinking is like I cannot lose this fight I knew Trevor Sen was coming to town I'm like 
I cannot fucking lose. And like I was more stressed out about that than anything else. And often, like you hear about guys in the playoffs, like about family flying in and stuff. Like it definitely affects you because you're, you know, they're there. You want that. You, you know, you've gone to the NHL or you've gone to the playoffs and you want to win, but they're there too. So it's like it's amped up and it's leveraged. You know? Yeah. Uh, so and the byproduct of that is that Trevor Send fight. Like I just remember thinking like when I was going in I know I'm going to fight him so when we got in the warm up like we're fucking like you know two sharks swimming around catching each other's eye I'm like hey he's like hey you want to go I'm like yeah he's like let's wait till the third period I'm like oh fuck I hated that like I want to just get out of my system you know first period he's like third period I'm like okay I'm like uh I'm like, alright so the game goes on we we kind of brought we'd come across each other and I'd be like looking like is it time and just kind of keep skating keep playing I'm like okay fuck third period we get out there and uh, he's like you ready I'm like yeah let's go let's give him a show and he's like okay so that's when you see us drifting off to center ice and the, the announcer says here they go they're drifting yeah. off to center ice but like in that where it's you know and you get a lot of bad uh Flock, like they say, staged fights. But fuck that. It, anybody that says hockey's not entertainment, you know, or or fighting, like it's 100%. They're selling a ticket, and that's what a lot of people I think don't understand, and athletes too. Is like, anytime I played, I wanted to say like, and I remember going to a Leafs game when I was a kid. I, I want to see something exciting. You know, I saw Gretzky score a hat trick against the Leafs when I was a kid. You know, I was like, fuck, like I want that experience when people come see me, even though I'm playing in the East Coast League. Um, so with that was saying that when it was that night you know my mom's in town but as a fighter i'd say let's go to center ice and give a show you know uh and then but the pent-up stress and everything comes out in that fight and it's just like toe to toe and it's old school too right there's no defense you just sit there and throw till somebody goes down and i remember fighting that guy uh, just going I'm throwing as, and I remember thinking I am throwing as hard and as fast as I can and this guy's not going down like I and I felt like I was hitting a wooden post you know I was just hitting him and he's not going anywhere I was like fuck man. like at that point there's a lot going on like you hear the buzz but you don't really you're in the moment of the fight right and so and I'm, you're just thinking like fucking don't lose don't lose and uh, luckily, I got a couple combinations at the end, and he went down, and it was like, I was a fucking hometown hero. But for me, it was just like another day at, at work. I was like, every fight was wide open, and uh, there was a bit of buzz about that right after. Like, the manager came down in the dressing room, he was like, I'm sending this fucking thing to ESPN. <laughs> and, which he didn't. I think they were like, no, no, maybe, uh, you know. Well, that see fight this? was on something, because I remember being at Colgate, in our fraternity house with uh, my uh, good friend Ben Rowden, who uh, is from Detroit, so he had a, a love for hockey. And I remember hearing him say, uh, Brock, come in here and take a look at this. And we're watching, and of course, it's on the old school TVs, and there's no rewind or anything like that. And I'm watching the fight, I'm like, holy fuck, they're really going at it. And then uh, I said, turn the volume up a bit. Like, let's, like, it starts going louder, and I hear, task goes the right, task goes the right. Task on the other end. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm looking I'm like, I'm like that's my buddy Ken in the red right there. And it's, of course, it's not high def, right? So no, it's exactly. uh, it's from it's from far. So 
I'm like, fuck, that's him. And we watched it for another 30 seconds. And he's like, that's your friend? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, that's crazy. And it was on. And it says, all right, uh, well, we'll be right back with more sports disasters. <laughs> <laughs> it was on one of those shows. It was TLC. Yeah. And I, so, yeah, one nickname is Tiger Tasker. That was more when I was younger. And then, but through my pro years after it was disaster tasker because of that show like it was called sports disasters, disasters. yeah that's right it, coincidentally they had two of my fights on there they had that one with trevor sen they had another one with my old college uh, teammate brody coffin and it was i went to school with him at st mary's and i remember he the guy's a fucking good looking guy it looks like brad pitt but he's fucking crazy He's from Prince Edward Island, Prince Edward Island, and he's. Uh, I remember he's sitting there in the fucking bathroom, like university games. And he's cutting himself with a razor, and I'm like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Getting ready for the game." It's like, "Holy <laughs> fuck!" Is it Ric Flair? Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> wild. <laughs> So, uh, but playing with him, I knew he had a temper and university, you know, never really came up. But then, fuck, I see him on the ice. He's playing for the Huntington Blizzard and I'm playing for Toledo. And I fucking, I don't know, bowled over one of his teammates, a little guy or something. And he he's playing his role and I'm playing my role. And he goes, get the fuck out of here, Tasker. I'm like, what, bro, do you want to go? <laughs> fucking right, so let's go. And we just fight, and that's the other one that you see. It's wide open, and it only goes for about 20 seconds, but it's just fucking haymaker after haymaker. And same thing. And it was like, we get back to the penalty box. And I'm like, how about that? Like our first shift against each other, and we're just fucking going at it, you know? <laughs> but that's where like hockey is a game where, uh, especially for me, like no friends on the ice. We we hear that all the time, right? But as a fighter, like I could never let my guard down, whether it was my friend or somebody else. I in the back of my mind, I always thought this guy's trying to hurt me or he's trying to kill me. So it was always on like full volume, you know. Been Every there. time I went on the ice. Yeah. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody rides a bus for free, bro. Ken. Hey. Yeah. NHL fighter that you most respect, NHL fighter that you have the least respect for. Mm, that's a tough question. The second part's it's tough. You don't great, you don't have to answer that. Question. But. Uh, I already know his answer for that one. For least respect? Yeah. But yeah maybe. Let's go first. Let's yeah, go yeah, the, the one you respect one, the, the most. That I hold even higher in esteem now than I did even when I played. Uh is Bob Probert. I, I didn't realize uh, as much, I didn't realize what he was dealing with off the ice. And we touched on that, right? Yeah. Um, he was fucking, he was in rehab and they would like send a limo to rehab, pick him up, send him the game, he'd fight, put him back in the limo, put him back in rehab. Like, where the fuck's the priority there? You know? Crazy. Like, like, yeah, how do you know this guy's not going to fucking off himself, right? Like, you're supposed to be focusing on yourself and getting sober and everything, and they're fucking let, allowing this to happen. So, in that sense, I, I didn't think he stood a chance, you know? And uh, in, talk, in talking about that, um, you hear a lot of these tough guys committing suicide, right? Um, and I firmly believe that it's, it's part of... Uh, what it takes to be a fighter, like what I was talking about, stuffing the fear down. Um, I think what happens is that when uh, a, a hockey fighter contemplates suicide, where a lot of other people might reach out for help, where luckily I did, like when I, I had like you know not good thoughts, I went and you know went and talked to a doctor. Um, but where these guys, they're just used to stuffing it down. So when the moment comes for the actual action of suicide, that they're so used to stuffing it down, going through with through the fear, that that's why you tend to see these guys actually 
unfortunately perish, right? Whereas uh, other people might reach out or, or turn around and, and you know, decide other things. Yeah. These guys are so used to it, they just go through it, they're conditioned, and then that's why we tend to have a higher, uh, say, mortality rate in that in that field. Yeah. It's awful to talk about, but I, people ask me about it and, uh, you know, ask, you know, why do you see hockey players? And I think it's not so much, I think other players do the same thing, um, go through the same experience, uh, leaving hockey, leaving uh, baseball, leaving football and stuff. Um, but uh, the hockey fighter specifically is conditioned to fight and, and, and so that's my, that's my view on that. What do you think in terms of like, you know, all the research with the NFL and, and guys in the NFL that are going through those, you have the signs of CTE and the, and yep. the, the head trauma. You would think, and I, I don't know the studies of the guys who have perished, that they've got their brains examined and whatnot, but I would assume that there would be similar side effects from a hockey fighter standpoint as there would be a football player. It's hard to, uh, you know, it's hard to quantify that and, and to, because uh, I've thought about it and I've talked to people about it, but I, like, I can tell you one thing. I, I went in that... Uh, tough man contest down in Georgia and uh, I did some uh, boxing but over my whole career that was the training for that was the worst that my head has ever felt and it was a constant jarring of sparring my constant head shaking and I had headaches and it just it was awful hockey fighting is a 30 second 30 seconds is a long hockey fight you know it's usually over in seconds like a matter of seconds like you know 15 seconds say 10 15 seconds and often the, the blows don't catch. You feel it when they do catch. Like, you get your bell rung like anything else. But um, I'd say that for that fact, it may not be as bad as football or as boxing, where you're constantly, like, ramming each other. And your That's head that is really UFC versus boxing kind of argument where they say, well, the UFC has smaller gloves and tap-outs and some bigger hits, but it's not the constant hitting exactly. that boxing comes with or lineman face yeah. from a football standpoint. Like, receivers get it. But receivers take two or three big licks where yeah. a lineman is going to hit every single play. Yeah, how, many, how many receivers have been in the in the news, like retired receivers, you know, complaining about CTE? Very few. Yeah, yeah. very It's few. always linemen, linebackers, yeah. guys who get repeated head blows. They're, they're studying it to the point now where they, they're trying to pinpoint uh, what part of the head uh, can cause the most damage. Mm. So... Like hockey fights, I mean, it's rare that you're taking it in the in the forehead. It's usually in the jaw. Yeah. So um, there's there's that aspect of like you know pr- protecting your skull. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't I don't know. There's not I don't think there's enough uh, research yet in hockey to determine that that's a real major factor. But I don't know. Have some of these guys uh, been tested prior to their suicides? I know that like Wade Belak and um, I, Tyler. Uh, yeah, Wade Belak. Um, Who's the guy from the Rangers? Uh, oh, uh, Bogart. Bogart. Oh, the yeah, Boogeyman. Yeah. But those guys, those guys had a history of like being addicted to painkillers. Was yeah. it, was it headache pain? Was it like just you know? Was just John Cordick back in the day too. John Cordick, man. Sad uh, story. Some of those. Yeah. Rest in peace. Yeah. Um, all these guys. Uh, I think what happened. Going back, circling back to like self-medicating and stuff. Um, one, you build up a huge tolerance uh, as a fighter. You, you know. Emotionally, mentally, you build up tolerance, you stuff things down. Then you're taking drugs day in and day out. Yeah. You must build up a tolerance like that. 
So then it would be a fine line of when they OD, right? So is it suicide? Is it overdose? Uh, again, and then about like uh, just again taking too much and being uh, manly about everything, like you know I can handle it kind of thing, and then uh, unfortunately going it, it happened. But sorry, going back, what was your uh, your first part of that question? Uh, you answered the first one, but yeah. he also asked, uh, so which the, one's the, the least respected? Yeah. Oh, oh yes. Yeah, so, no, but uh, but then you were touching on the sorry about the um, the fighters. Um, I thought there was another part. Yeah, no, it was just the who, who you respected the most and who you oh, respected yeah. the least. Okay, but when we were talking about the, the CTE and stuff like that, I think. Um, Oh, the, the guys. Yeah, the, my my question was: Have they have they studied like what? Because there's a history with the boogeyman and, yeah. and B lack of depression. Oh, yeah, and was substance that, abuse. And as substance well, abuse. Right? It's painkiller uh, addiction. Yeah. So they're dealing with some sort of pain. Is it is it head pain? Is it headaches? Is it uh, which a lot of that is side effects from getting like CT? Knocked. Like that guy Webster yeah. for the Steelers. Well, like yeah. he was dealing with a bunch of that shit. And if you're trying to medicate yourself, yeah. you know, and and doctors aren't giving you an idea of what it is they don't know like they to this day they can't yeah. diagnose cte without you being dead yeah exactly so you're you're looking for it so when you talk about the fine line between suicide and overdose it, it is a fine line in terms of that specific moment but it really is like just a slower suicide you know yeah. like it it ends up culminating there but it's uh yeah, anyway, it's I think like I, I've called uh, different universities and, and offered uh, my brain as well for studies. There's wow. uh, um, I'm talking with one organization that uh, has to do with hockey and fighting and stuff like that. But they are um, they're going to study brains. Uh, so I haven't signed the forms yet, but we're in sort of conversations about that. Uh, now, one university I did talk to uh, at Boston University, they said. Uh, it was right on the heels of one of the retired NHLers that had committed suicide. I want to say he was in Arizona. Um, but he thought he had CTE, and then it revealed that he didn't have CTE, and he committed suicide. He, he, he thought he was experiencing effects of um, like early onset of Alzheimer's, and that scares the shit out of me. Like Now that I'm a family man, three young kids... My wife and a, and a life. I always figured if I wasn't doing drugs, if I wasn't doing steroids, and that's the other thing. The closer I, I got to the NHL, I felt more pressure to take steroids. I feel like a lot of guys, sort of like me, got to a certain threshold, and then it's like, okay, well, what are you going to do now to next, yeah. get to the next level? You know. And I didn't do that, and I came back down. Like God only knows, maybe I would have done steroids and, and still done nothing or not done nothing but still not made the NHL um, but uh, some of the guys that I used to fight you know they'd be 205 215 all of a sudden come back to 225 230 in one summer I'd be like fuck somebody's definitely doing cycle you know and then you would see those guys go on to the NHL as tough guys and so uh um, anyway, I, I made those decisions not to do that stuff when I played, thinking I'm not going to cost myself quality of life after. And then, sure enough, fuck, CTE comes out, and I'm thinking, what the fuck did I do? You know, like, so it's one of those things that haunts me, but I try not to lose sleep over it. You know, but I did have a, co- a good conversation with a, a lady who was a, a neuroscientist. A neuroscientist. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not the, yeah. So, uh, but uh, she said. Um, she said there's a lot of people right now 
Uh, she alluded to the fact that a lot of people making money or trying to make money off of uh, you know claims of, of suffering and stuff like that, uh, which I assume she's talking about the players. But I know firsthand, and, and you know what, that people are suffering. I just again, we don't know enough about it, right? And I, I'm hoping to maybe be that example of uh, somebody who hasn't drank all their life, never did any hard drugs. Uh, other than being poisoned by my friend. <laughs> uh, but if they ever do uh, testing on my brain, you know, I'm, I'm 100% comfortable with that. If it, if it can help uh, other people, and they can say, yes, it definitively is taking blows to the head is causing brain damage, which, you know, I'm sure at some point it's not healthy, but it's to the effect of how... How bad is it, you know? Yeah. Steve Montador. Steve Montador, yes. Yeah, he, awful, uh, awful story. He complained of, concu- of uh, headaches often after uh, after games and uh, was given painkillers. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Rick Rippin. Yep. Rick Rippin, yep, another guy. Exactly. So that's the thing. You see all these guys uh, very similar and, and you know, uh, shared almost the identical role with their teams and then end up uh, very sad stories, you know? Um, I'm not sure at this point. As a uh, as a hockey far- former hockey fighter, I, I worry about it to some extent. But I I hope you know I, I'm leaning on the fact that I didn't do uh, any hard drugs or anything uh, you know in excess or or at all to compound the effect of fighting too, right? Um, but I will say um, my entire career I was knocked out once when I was 17, cold cold cock. Right, my so the guy hit me in my jaw, and because I asked my coach, I'm like, "How does that happen? How do you get knocked out?" He's like, "There's a button, you know, it's a, yeah, yeah. a reflex. You get hit in the jaw and you shut down." He said, "But you suffered a, a double concussion. One, you got hit in the jaw, knocked out. But then when your my face hit the ice, my teeth came through my lips. I suffered a second concussion. Right. So then that's when your head jars. So I was out of hockey. I don't know for months, and uh, they just it was near the end of the season so that I came back the next season never worried about it again never thought about it uh, fast forward to the end of my career I'm playing in that Quebec semi-pro league and I'm uh, fighting Louis Bedard who had fought my whole career and it was always like a tie it was similar to Trevor Sen I'd win he'd win well uh, he caught me with a bad punch and all of a sudden I knew and it was like it's like a white mist like uh, you lose your senses all of a sudden I forgot how I got to the game they they skated me to the penalty box and I knew obviously I was in a hockey game but I had no idea how I got there or where I was and uh, so I skated to the bench yeah it's scary when you start thinking about that like you're losing your faculties and and your awareness and uh, of where you are how you got there and then uh, so I consequently I went and seen a doctor and they said yeah you had your bell rung Uh, it was a doctor from McGill believe it or not and he goes uh, for all week I was like yeah I'm still not I feel foggy it's like you're good to go you're good to play I'm like fuck like this is weird you know like I go, I play a week later, fight the same guy, Lou Bedard, fucking tags me again. And this time, I really, I'm, I know I'm fucked. Like, so I got Is up. Is Louie one of those guys, though, that came back really heavy, too? Came back heavy? Is he the guy that, because you, you fought him a lot, it was always like a draw, or you'd be kind of about, yeah. and then there was one year he came back, and he would fucking put on about 20 pounds. Yeah, in the, in the Quebec, in that Quebec semi-pro league, he was definitely, like, jacked, you yeah, know? Okay. Like, so, but I, honestly, I don't know. I can't say yeah, yeah. but okay. I'm just saying. But, so he tagged me twice, a week apart, 
Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. And but from that New Year's Eve fight, I went back to the, like I had headaches. I had headaches and I, I just felt awful, felt nauseous. Um, and that's the first time I ever had real experience like that. I heard about it. Heard about guys going through that. Uh, one thing that always came up was uh, guys said they were sensitive to light. Yeah, yeah. I was. I never big time. really. Eh? I, it didn't affect me, but I. I I, w- I had headaches and I knew something was wrong and that doctor right away pulled me out he's a doctor at McGill and he said you're done he goes I'll write you off for six months you do what you want after six months but uh, he goes you're definitely not playing within this next six months I said okay and that's when I retired I said like at that point I said I always promised myself when I knew that the dream was over that I would shut it down and you know I had calls for four years after that you know? but it's scary when you go your whole life and you think you're invincible and then all of a sudden like something Something like that happens. I, I and I, I didn't. To this day, I didn't know that you you suffered with uh, concussion-related stuff there, but Yeah, I had a, a big one when I was with uh, Montreal, and uh, I don't remember any playbooks or anything. There's two plays I remember in my whole playing career, and it was a 46 and a 46R, and those were back-to-back plays in Montreal. The 46, I was supposed to pull. I was a guard. There's this kid that just came. He just got cut by the Bengals, and he shows up at our thing, and he's playing defensive end. And uh, just this jack dude. Anyway, 46, I'm supposed to pull. I'm supposed to kick him out. The fullback runs up inside of me as a lead block, and that's where the back follows. The 46R, the fullback comes down, hits that end. I wrap around him and go up, and the back follows me out there. Well, the first one that AC calls, calls a 46R. Perfect. So I'm coming down the line, but I'm a little higher because I got to look for the linebacker and get around. Well, the fullback runs right past that fucking defensive end, screws up the play, and that guy catches me under the chin. Now, I'm 380 pounds or whatever the fuck it is, so (laughs) it's like a stalemate. I got a visor on, too, a mirrored visor and stuff. I'd have no mouthpiece in. My mouthpiece is in my wrist guard because I'd be so nervous that I would gag on it. Oh, yeah, right. And so I had it in there. Anyway, so it's a stalemate. I don't get the, the kick-out block as well, so just that alone was sucked, but couldn't see shit. Go back to the huddle. What does AC call? He calls a 46. Now it's my job to kick him out. Well, now the very second one, and he's ready for it too. Anyway, just head-to-head, I get a bit more movement, but both those two, right after that, I was like, I went back to the thing. I'm like, I can't really see anything. And then got pulled out, and then it was, uh, to this day, I still have... Um, I don't know, ocular sensitivity, I guess, for lack of a better term. Like, I cannot sit at, like, the back of a bus or middle of, like, a Voyager bus. At nighttime, with those lights that kind of pass by, it makes me sick. i got to be in the front seat. I can't be in the back seat of cars because of that uh, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, but I was very sensitive to to light for uh, three, four days before anything. You know what, what, though? I will say this about concussions is that... People, I think now that the the, buzz, the buzzword is CTE, but in, yeah, especially yeah. in sports. Well, you know, concussion doesn't mean CTE. So Correct. that's that's the positive in all this, right? Like, um, you don't show symptoms. You don't show symptoms. You show symptoms from concussions, but you don't show any CTE symptoms. So, like, there's, you know, and you talk about concussions. I play basketball with a guy who's a high school teacher, and he he's a high-level volleyball player, coaches volleyball, played volleyball in university. And he, he got a concussion. First, first concussion was playing university. Um, and then ever since then, he hit his head on the ground when he dove for a ball, hit his head, and he was out cold for about, he said it about a minute. And uh, ever since then, he's, he's gotten a concussion or two a year. 
playing, whatever. He's a basketball player. He's a big guy. Well, he got a bad one two years ago. That he was, we were warming up, and somebody threw a ba- the basketball just across the court, and it caught him in the head. In basketball, right? It's heavy, but it's not. Let's see with Roger Clemens. It shouldn't knock you out. Knocked him right out. Hmm. He he was off work for a year and a half in a wow. dark room for two months. Dark room, no light, no TV, no nothing for um, two months. The minute he saw light, he'd throw up. Is that right? This is an oh average gosh. high school teacher playing right. volleyball. So, you know, I'm not trying to paint concussions in a good light, but there's you do recover. The body has healing power. Now he's back in the league. He's fine. He's gotten the clear build. So, like, there's a there's a silver lining behind all this, and it, to attach CTE to concussion all the time, I, I don't think is... It's, it's not right. It's not true. Not accurate. There's, there's not, not yet. I mean, yeah. so... You know, I think I think we're good. I think you guys are. You know, I don't think CTE is something that you need to be concerned about. I think once you have a, one concussion, you can be susceptible to others. But that's my that's my philosophy on it. Whether I'm right or wrong, I have no idea. But that's how I feel about concussions and about CTE. I think once you get your bell rung once, though, so you you are susceptible to having it done again, and that's when you can you know you jar your brain so many times that you're out. And something with our generation is that the concussions. Like I know that wasn't my first concussion. It may not have been as bad or one that I, you know, really, if I think back to them, if I was 14 again, I probably would have just sucked it up because that's what you do, you know? Like, you're not even aware of it. Uh, And, you know, those hits aren't as big as the hits that you'd be taking at that level anyway, but you just kind of you shake it off. You got, oh, I got my bell rung and I keep going. And I just think that now with knowledge, there's a lot more with the whole concussions because people are more aware of it. I mean, my son's in hockey, starts hockey this year, and they're there's, uh, like, you have a test. I don't know if you had to do it with yours, but there's a there's a quiz, and you have to to take it with your kid so that they understand symptoms of concussions and what to do oh, if really, they notice eh? it. And, That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah, and if your buddy says something or on the ice and he's showing symptoms of concussions, yeah. like little trigger things, and you got to have your kid who, you know, he's seven, and he's got to, you know, it's dumbed down to them in, in their language, but you're, uh, yeah, you're being educated on it from a, an early age to understand your body and what it's supposed to feel like. and That's, a, that's um, great. You know, because concussions, Progress. nobody can tell you that it, yeah. you have a concussion, but when you're a kid, it's tough to express it. I, I believe it's uh, referred to as Rowan's Law. Like they, yes, they, that's they, correct. Oh, yes. You have to do Rowan's Law. The rugby girl yeah. who, who, uh, who yeah. had a concussion, um, a couple of concussions in rugby and, and passed, passed away. away. Yeah. yeah, it's that uh, compound concussion, they call it. So you have one concussion, the, the brain bleeds, and then it forms a bruise, and then there's uh, no room for that blood to go. Then you get a secondary concussion in the same area and then when blood hits the area there's no room for it to go that's when it does uh, damage and ruptures it's, it's awful but uh, anyway right. very serious Progress. and it's great it's great that yeah we're having those conversations with kids and uh, I'm of the opinion like it's a hockey game like if my kid gets his bell rung he's off you know like you know what he's yeah. six seven years old when this happens like there's no need for him to be back out there like I don't care how bad he wants to be out there get him off yeah and see how the symptoms are. If they subside, fine. But there's absolutely no reason to take a chance or put them back out there, no matter what the score is or what the situation is of the game. So back to my original question about okay. the, 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 the it's now it's I, I don't I'm not even comfortable asking this because I know the you know 
know, the fighters, you, you guys are a bit of a fraternity. Yep. You know, it's a brotherhood. Uh, it's a tough job, and you all respect each other for the most part. Yep. You know, we've seen instances where guys shake hands. We've seen yep. other, I mean, complete opposites sometimes, too. But yep. generally speaking, it's a respect thing. And after the game, it's like we did our job. Yep. But is there a fighter, cur- current, past, whatever, in the NHL who you don't have a ton of respect for? Just maybe the way he the way he composes himself, the way he acts? Yeah, 100%. Uh, so usually, so we refer to the code. You know, there's all kinds of things that go along with the code, but uh, basically is like you don't hit a guy when he's down. You know, once he's down, you don't hit him because it's like you think somebody is vulnerable you know you just don't do it you as tough guys you, if you want to square off like let's see who's tougher uh the other thing is you don't fight guys that aren't fighters so um so mainly those are a couple of the basics um and then you don't do something dirty you know you don't pull hair you don't eye gouge shit like that but uh there's always guys that sort of go outside of the code and uh when you see that that's when things get dangerous because I'm thinking right away it's that fear factor where you're like, okay, like when my back's turned, is he going to fucking railroad me? Like, is he going to check me from behind or is he going to sucker punch me? And that's when you do see people get seriously hurt. And the fact that you have all these fucking gargantuans skating around ready to fight each other and all of a sudden they become fearful and then they're thinking then it's dangerous and so the best way that we maintain that and it's my experience is when somebody goes outside the code the rest of the tough guys fucking make a an example of that guy you know and uh so one guy i, I mean it's tough for me to say i donald Bashir, i fought him a couple times but uh i uh i seen him go outside the code you know with me even i'd ask him on the face off and he'd, he'd say no and then he'd fucking railroad my defenseman who's like 150 pounds you know on the very same play like 20 seconds later and that's when I'd grab him and he still wouldn't fight me and then at the end of the game I'm out there and I'm wheeling around I'm hitting everything there's one minute left and then with like 20 seconds left they put him out there and I'm fucking gassed that that's when he wants to fight me it's like fuck you you know like and then you see like what happened with him and McSorley I'm sure like I've never talked to McSorley but as a fighter I'm I know there's a backstory to that and it's like refresh my memory that uh, it rings a bell I'm so, sure once you started but what, you remember that? I believe I, I think I do but I'm the clip where McSorley's chasing Brashear down, down and he got the stick and, and hits his stick on Brashear's head and Brashear yeah it didn't even look oh, bad was Brashear yeah. was Brashear with Vancouver yeah yeah. embellishes remember, it a bit yes. and yes. um and then falls back, but he did hit his head, and yeah. it was bad. It didn't um, look that bad, though, the stick. The stick no, no, didn't exactly. Look bad. I, okay. And that's the thing. You think it's, like, embellishment a little bit, whatever. But he does go down hard when but it happens. it was dirty, you know, and, like, McSorley done him dirty, and that's what happens. Like, when it... Because maybe he was trying to get him to go and wouldn't go, and then he was after... Like, maybe McSorley, uh, for sure, was, like, threatening one of the guys McSorley plays with, right? If that happens, then, as a fighter, you go out, you take care of business, take them like you're a neutralizer right you take them out and that's what happened it went a little far but you know fast forward years later fucking uh he knocked a guy out in the quebec semi pro league and then the guy's on the ice and he fucking keeps hitting him while the guy's out cold like full-on really? full hard hits look it up online you're talking about highlights that's fucking scary so as a fighter for sure he's a big boy too. oh huge like when i grabbed on him it was like a 
yeah, a brick. brick pillar. Yeah. And, like, and then his hands, it was like, for my baby finger, it was like two of them, you know? Yeah. Like, his hands are just massive. Um, so as a fighter, as soon as you hear, and it, like, we talk, like, and where sometimes you play with a guy and then he ends up on a different team or then he ends up on your team and you fight and you're like, that's fucking dirty. Like, if you get a chance to play against that guy, you know, fucking heads up, you know? And then that's always in the back of your mind. So then it's a matter of, like, I'm going to get him before he gets me, and that's when things are dangerous. So those guys end up getting a, a comeuppance, you know, from the other guys. And often that'll happen. Like, I remember there was a, a kid in the OHL, I want to say he was Metzger, maybe. He was chased around some kid like, in the OHL, and the kid wasn't a fighter. And we were just licking our chops, like, he's going to be out of the OHL, but he's coming up the coast. We fucking get him, we're going to get him hard, you know? And yeah. we talk like that just amongst our teams, or if we're out for beers with the guys, uh, you know, if the guy, the two teams are out for beers afterwards, we'd be like, yeah, when that fucking kid comes to town, he's getting it, you know? And that's just uh. the way, like, uh, it's a packing order, but it's also... It's a way of the the game policing itself, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had it written down. That's why I kept nudging Mike. I'm like, he's going to say Donald Brashear. Oh yeah. And then I had like the I had the McSorley incident on there because I think we talked about that before, and you were just like, yeah, yeah he does that at the end of shifts. He's like, I always, he always had that interest. You're like, I'd love to talk to McSorley and find out why he did that and what was it yeah, that sparked yeah, exactly. it because you know, from your yeah, you guarantee this. Something um, that he did. So, like, uh, an example of that, we were talking about Aaron Downey earlier, right? So, in the, uh, when I was playing Junior A Tier 2 down in Nova Scotia, um, we had this system where if you fight three times, you get suspended. But if you go three games without fighting, then you get a fight knocked down. So, okay. I, was at, I was at two fights, and I was at two games. So, I had to go one more game, and then I'd get a fight knocked down. But here we're playing Aaron Downey. And my coach pulls me aside, pulls me into the dressing room. This is uh, Bill Riley. And he goes, uh, Kenny, I know Aaron Downey's in town tonight, but you're not fighting him. I'm like, fuck, what are you talking? I got it. He's like, you are not fighting him. You fight him, you lose two weeks' pay. I was like, fuck. Like, we weren't making much, but two weeks' pay to a high schooler? I was like, fuck that, I can't do that. (laughs) So so we get out on the ice, and uh, me and Downey end up locking horns, right? Fuck. And he's like, let's go, kid. I was like, just a second. I look over my coach. I'm like, can I go home? He goes, he makes a money symbol. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, fuck downs. I can't. Sorry, man. Coach won't let me. He's like, fuck off. And he escapes away. But that's the code, right? Like, he asked me, and I, like, I checked. He's gentlemanly enough like to wait let me check and I say no and he's like he's pissed off that I'm not saying yes but then he goes on about his business you know it's like that's the cult right uh, Josh Gratton another motherfucker I've ever seen in a fucking charity game he's getting some cold cock I'm not even joking I'm fucking he's a guy I was playing for Long Beach and he was a young up-and-comer. Him, uh, Morasti, was playing for Bakersfield. So a lot of tough guys, right? Yeah. I'm gassed. I'm fucking wheeling around, hitting everything. I'm skating back. To, I was, he was playing for San Diego. I'm skating back to my bench. Don't they fucking send him off the bench? And he goes, come on, we're going. I'm like, fuck off, kid. Another shift, I'm gassed. Drops the gloves, starts fucking hitting me. Fucking almost basically KOs me. I definitely 100% concussion I go down and it's like fucking dirty you know I wasn't ready I had no energy and uh, he cold caught me but a guy like that fuck I don't know that was that was 2002 2003 something like that and it might as well have been yesterday I remember that 
feet. So did he same, play in the NHL? He did, yeah. He did, yeah. Went on to play in the NHL. But same fucking thing. Like, uh, if I ever see him in a fucking charity game, he's fucking getting it. You know, it's just, that's the way it is. Uh, even though years have passed, uh, you know, as a fighter goes, nobody rides a bus for free. There you go, fucking, they're going to get it, you know? But, <laughs> and that's why as fighters, like, no matter what, you know, there's always a backstory to something. So uh, someday... I'll try and get a hold of McSorley somehow through one of my contacts. That we got to be able to uh, six degrees. Get John Thornton there. We can get some. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yes, I'd love to talk to that guy too. He must have a ton of stories too. He does have a ton of stories. Best, best fighter you ever seen? Best fighter? Yeah. Or best fight? Best fighter you've ever seen? Oh, Probert. Yeah, he's yeah. Like, he's the king. He's up there on a pedestal amongst others. Like, and he did it. You know. He when? scared the shit out of me when I played. When I watched hockey on Saturday night, with, and he was with the Red Wings, oh. he just towered over. And at the least, were small at that time. And well, yeah, it would be him and Domi. Oh. Domi's tiny, oh, yeah, yeah. like short. Uh, even before so McSorley would would be huge. He came into the Marshies actually the year before he died. Oh, Pro- yeah. Probert, yeah, big. I met him. I, yeah, and me you know what? I have my Toledo jersey. Somehow there was an auction. People bought it and then never paid for it. So I have my actual game worn Toledo jersey. I got it signed by Buck Probert at a hockey show in Toronto and he's like you sure you want me to sign this I'm like trust me yeah I was in Detroit's farm system right after he had just gone to Chicago and but I was like get Bob Prober to sign it and he signed it and like not long after again uh, passed away sadly you know L- Lyndon Byers Lyndon Byers I almost crossed paths with him like they had that uh, what was it On Ice Enforcers or uh, it, was was that, a, it was a reality show wasn't it or was that it, a it was a, a fighting contest uh, just on skates yeah, yeah like you go to center ice you just fight and uh, it was kind of like the tough man contest but it was for On Ice Fighters so he was going to be in that and I, Boston, Boston guy, right? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. for Boston. Yeah. So that's when I was like, before the internet, like I'm looking through old tapes. I'm like, who is this Lyndon Byers? I'm sure I'm fucking tough as oh, nails. Guy. Oh like, yeah. Deadly tough. I, uh, I saw him on Bar Rescue. He was, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> have you ever watched Bar Rescue? No, no. It's great. It's like a reality okay. show. This guy rescues uh, bars that are failing. Okay. And he, I guess he co-owned uh, a bar in, uh, in, in, uh, in yeah, it was in, in Massachusetts somewhere. somewhere in Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah, okay. And uh, I guess it came time to like make improve the bar, and you know the the, the guy was going to like show them all the all the plans, the floor outline, all that stuff. And LB didn't show up. Oh no! Oh, <laughs> yeah. Fuck. So the uh, the co he was a co owner, oh, and yeah. the other two said, "Fuck it, we're buying him out." Oh really? And that was eh? it. Yeah, um, that was LB, and they embarrassed him on TV. It was pretty like, oh, like really? go home, LB, get out of here, you're out of here, fucking. He, right, he, yeah. he didn't fight. He didn't like. Oh, no. He didn't lose his marbles. He just but he took off. be uh, like, you tell him we're buying him out. No, right. you tell. No, him. That's, <laughs> and the, the, co- the, the corner was like a little pipsqueak. Yeah, I'm like, oh, oh fuck, eh? this is gonna get awkward. But no, he, <laughs> okay. he left, and yeah. LB, yeah. Man, I could like I have a million. <clears throat> well, that's it. We're gonna yeah, we'll put those down, but we'll uh, we'll get a third and fourth episode out because this is gonna be uh, two for sure. Oh but, yeah. Uh, you know, whatever. Class act. Obviously, I've known Class you for act. years. Uh, two big things that stick out for me when in terms of just you and I was when I played at Sherbrooke and you were playing hockey there, oh, yeah. and I have that damn. And I told you this when we were playing golf, and I'm still pissed that I didn't think about it at the time. The, the Sherbrooke team had me out to drop the puck yeah, right. and I have the picture of that and whatever and I keep saying this was Ken's team but I should have 
tried something to see if I can get you out for the face-off because that would have been fucking great. That would have been a great photo op, but it is what it is. And the other thing was uh, the overnighter that you and I did painting uh, when I used to work at the sign company. Oh, yeah. Oh, sign fuck, company. Remember that? that? Yeah. We spent a whole night painting this fucking place or whatever. Yeah. Well, just you and I, but it was uh, the conversations and the just it was really nice at that point because we were sort of both not the same place but we're still trying to go somewhere and trying to do something and uh, it was really at that point was it was impactful for me for having to have somebody that I knew and that was also going through some of the shit that I was going through yeah and feelings and stuff you wanted didn't let people down all that kind of shit yeah yeah exactly and uh, yeah anyway it's it's good when you you can talk to a friend about that and uh, that's sort of I don't know been through those unique experiences and then hold a lot of the stuff in that you don't even tell your family like you don't tell them look I don't want to let you down I, you know I, mm-hmm. like as athletes and stuff we all have that sort of Elvis Presley dream of buying your your mom a house and and all that when your career ends like you know that that's the end of that and that was what was pulling you forward all, those kinds of things and like giving back to your family and then all of a sudden it's just you know that's part of the big fade right um, but you don't talk to your everybody because they don't go through that but they don't go athletes, through it they don't know it yeah exactly they don't so. and some oftentimes they're the guys that you had envisioned doing something for later on too you know what yeah, I mean exactly, like bring exactly. them around that whole entourage type thing yeah, and whatever exactly, so yeah. Uh, yeah it was uh, you know, I'll thank you for that that was something but, that well, uh, thanks, was definitely yeah, uh, was, meant a lot back then and well, yeah. still does yeah. to have somebody to talk to in that uh, that regard well I, I'm honored to be on this uh, I've been waiting a long time I, you know I think we tried a couple times or whatever but I had to wait for hockey season <laughs> <laughs> right it's true yeah yeah but uh, honestly you guys are doing a fantastic job I would love to be back on and uh, and see you guys again well we have plenty of questions remaining there's uh, I know there's uh, for a fact there's more stories that I want to uh, get to you to uh, describe as well to our listeners but uh, thank you very much for for taking the time today and uh, yeah I mean we talked earlier quickly about what your uh, if you had a walkout song what that would be and that would be this one we're gonna go out to your walkout song thank you boys to your lips I am sick I will punch a baby bear in his shit give me lip I'm gonna send you to the yard get a stick make a switch I can end the conversation real quick I am crack I am lying kick a lion in his crack I'm the shit I will fall off in your crib take a shit hit your mama on the booty kick your dog fuck your bitch that boy dressed up like you sound on and took pictures with your kids we the best we will cut a frowny face in your chest little wench I'm gonna mention a Fresh, I'm a mitch, yeah, correct. I will walk into a court while it wrecks, screaming, Yes, I am guilty, motherfuckers. I am death. Hey, you wanna hear a good joke? Nobody speak, nobody get choked.